All right, welcome to the another episode of the All Sides podcast. Today I'm with Nathan, Nathan Poland. Nathan, how are you doing, bro? Good. How are you? Good, man. I've actually been so tired and just work and stuff, and that's why we're actually gonna we're gonna talk about your work because you're a pretty interesting guy. But uh, before we get into anything about you, just just tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you are, where you where you're from, stuff like that. So, like uh, you said, my name is Nathan. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Ooh. Uh, I've lived there since I was born until I moved here. Uh, I come from a big family. I have six little siblings. Wait, so you're the oldest? I'm the oldest. So I have what? six little sisters. And you're only like 21. Yeah. Wow. So then my parents kept them coming. Dang. So. Uh, Your dad's got uh, good shooters. Must. Yeah. <laughs> must. <laughs> Bruh. That's awesome. You're uh, from Columbus. Okay. I am. Uh, Columbus is a cool town. Live. Uh, grew up right down the street from Ohio State, so going oh, to dope. football games, basketball games, all that. Your family's um, big in that. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you can walk down the street to Ohio to, to one of the better day, football teams, yeah. Um, you know, that was definitely a change coming to Loyola, though. Um, yeah. No, no real game day here. So why so, didn't you go to Ohio State? It was too close. Too close. You know, I mean, my family is is loud, <laughs> and I love them to death. But you know, when I go back now, Bruh. I'm. I'm ready for a break after yep. like six to eight hours. Wow. So uh, so why Chicago? I had probably been here maybe half a dozen to ten times before um, before I decided on Chicago, just okay. you know, throughout my childhood and all that. Um, and when I came to visit schools, I visited DePaul, and I came back to visit DePaul again, and my dad said, why don't you uh, come and look at Loyola? And I said, you know, well, I, I don't think I probably want to go there, but... You know, we can go visit. And well, I had already applied, um, and I got accepted. And then that same morning, I went on the tour, and I just decided that I liked it. And what was it for for me? I, when I talked to Tom, you know, you know the quad. Like well, I don't know why, but when I just saw that area and then the area behind the quad where you can like look out in the lake, yeah, I was just like, this is sick. I think a big part of that is just because, you know, you fly into like O'Hare, you drive in yeah. and everything's so urban and you're in the city, you're on the train or whatever. And then all of a sudden you walk another block and it, you know, you could be at a state school in the middle of a cornfield yeah. and hardly know the difference besides the gigantic lake. That's true, man. No, I feel like Loyola is pretty involved in like, in the city. It's like you, you, you start off in Rogers Park, but then once you get on the red line, it's like you're in the city. Like, so I, 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 that's another reason why I liked it a lot because I felt like I could go on a lot of adventures, do a lot of cool things. Um, but yeah, so dope. But uh, we wanted to take an angle on you because you're a, a working student, right? Uh, how long have you had your current job as an EMT? So I took the class to license myself as a freshman in the spring at Loyola. So I'm going on two years uh, with my license here. So I... I've been working since I got it, um, so I've had a couple different jobs um, as an EMT uh, since then, um, but I've been at the job that I'm at now for a year and a half. Got it. Okay, so so what's your major, first of all? So I'm a business student studying information systems and supply chain. So so for, for those of you that don't know, an EMT is someone who is like a first responder, right, to, to crises. Uh, tell us a little more about what an EMT is. So we do, um, well, in my role now, we handle a ton of different kinds of calls. Hmm. Um, so the first company that I worked for, um, 
was not on an ambulance. We did special events. So we were the jerks at Spring Awakening and Lollapalooza <laughs> and Bears games that come and haul your drunk, unconscious friends. Or your drugs. Exactly. Away and lay them down and give them some IV fluids and then, you know, hopefully don't have to send them to the hospital. So I did that for a summer. Um, and then at the start of last year, I started at the ambulance service that I work for now, which is ATI Ambulance. Um, and so we run in the city now and we handle everything from emergency calls to transfers to taking people to the doctor that just can't walk, that are stuck in bed, that need to go on our bed um, because obviously their bed won't fit out of their house with them. In yeah. So it's kind of a mix of, uh, of like intensity, I would say. Because there's, there's some stories where you're like, yeah, this happened, I have to do this. And then I was like, what? And then there's some stories that are like, okay, that's like, it seems pretty chill. Right. But what made you like, so be your business student, why EMT, which is like more like medical almost? Yeah. Well, so before I, well, when I was younger, I'd say like freshman, sophomore year of high school, I was, you know, oh, I thought that I really wanted to be a doctor, those kind oh, of okay. things. Um, and then I decided that I didn't like chemistry and biology enough <laughs> and it, it wasn't worth it for me um, to suffer through all of that 100%. Um, for the end. And, you know, I've learned too, working even on the ambulance, that doctors are usually a voice on the phone for their patients, that um, usually there's about four phone calls that get made before anything gets done. Yeah. Um, and in this job, you just get to go straight to putting your hands on the problem and doing what you can to fix it. Um, That's the, awesome. The problem solving, I think, is where I... You love that stuff. I love it because, like, when I took the class at Loyola, it was me... And like 58 nursing or pre-med students. Got so it. So I, I like to have a little bit different perspective on things than, you know, maybe everybody else. And yeah, you just you go and you get to solve problems and then move on to the next one. That's awesome. No, I think that is a really, I had a, one of my cousins was an EMT. He can't be anymore because of like knee issues and stuff. Uh, Cause they're really strict on that. Um, but he was like, he, he said, one of his reasons for why he loved that is because he loves he he needs adrenaline he needs to feel like like intensity uh, and he was a firefighter too so he had so many intense moments where like he has to make a split decision call kind of like you said problem solving where it's like someone's life is in your hands almost um, has there ever been a moment for you where you're like it got that intense and are you kind of an adrenaline junkie as well yeah I I really do like that feeling like every time yeah. you know. It comes across the radio and you go and, you know, not every run, you know, has the lights on and the siren on, but every time you go to turn it on, you get that little like twinge and like some little goosebumps on the back of your neck and you're going. Um, and, you know, then when you go to, to help somebody, they have no idea who you are. You have no idea who they are. You know, you're in their house or um, their place of business or whatever. And, um, and I, it's just a cool um cool experience to to be able to provide that for people what's the what's the what's the strangest or like scariest or most like life-threatening situation that being an emt has brought you i think the like biggest oh fuck moments yes those happen but on the inside it has to be all cool yeah, yeah yeah is when you're like you've picked someone up or you're doing something where everything's supposed to be fine and all of a sudden it's just a shit show so what happened um i mean there have been a couple cases where like you go to pick somebody up for like foot pain what and then, like that's what it'll cut that's what our 
So before we had a call, it goes through multiple layers of people. So okay. Like if you call 911 in the city of Chicago, someone will pick up the phone and then they'll transfer you to a fire department dispatcher or not dispatcher, call taker. And the call taker will take the call and then they'll give that call to the dispatcher who gives it to us. Got it. So there's a lot of layers where, you know, information can be mixed or dumbed down or whatever. Right. Um, and, you know, you could have shown up for foot pain and they're having a stroke. Um, things like that. And really? When, when you're on the way to a call, you know, you're running through all of possibilities in your head. You know, if somebody has chest pain, it could obviously be a heart attack, but it could also be a pulled muscle in their chest. It could be because they tried to exercise for the first time in five years. <laughs> and you're running through all these things. And then, you know, the equipment that you need. or So you're flipping a coin sometimes. In a sense, yeah. Damn. So because, you know, you've spent, we have that drive usually to get to somewhere or someplace to think about, you know, what you're going to need to do here. Wow. Um, and then when you show up and that entire plane is out the window. So what happened with the foot guy? Um, so he had gone to one emergency room because his, I guess his foot hurt and they said, no, you're fine. They sent him home and he called us because he wanted to go to, um, Another hospital, they took him to St. Bernard Hospital, which is at 63rd and the Dan Ryan in Englewood, and he wanted to go to the University of Chicago. Yeah. So he called us um, because unlike the fire department, we will take you to any hospital that you want as long as that hospital can take care of you for what's going on and you won't die between where yeah. you are and there, you know, assuming it's not the closest. Um, and just when he opened the door, you can just tell, like, Half of his face is sagging a little bit, um, and you know he's slurring his speech, and he's confused, but he knows that he's sick. Um, but actually, the biggest, um, you know, oh god, yeah, moment was um, it was a year ago January. So I'd been working on the ambulance for about three months. Um, like I said, I worked before that, but it was mostly with drunk people, people yep. who fell down, um, and we went for the woman. Uh, it was. You know, she's having her baby, and we show up to her house, and she comes waddling out the front door. And this is in the South Shore neighborhood, which is a pretty poor area. And she comes waddling out the door, and I, you know, the first question out of my mouth is, "What number baby is this?" And she just looks at me and says, nine. So this is her ninth baby. What? So the ninth baby takes a lot less time to go from the first compression. I mean, once you're on your ninth, right, you're you're, right. you're opened up. You're so, ready to go. We hit a speed bump no. on the way to the hospital, and out came the baby. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. So that was the first time that I delivered a baby. I'd seen a baby be delivered. Um, wait, 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 wait. Because my partner, he was driving. and I mean, So you, I, had to, you had to go back there and make sure the baby like was okay? Right. So, I mean, now there's a whole bunch of other things that have to happen because you have the mom, and you have the baby, and then just you. So did you, What was, did you do? He was going like a bat out of hell trying to get to the hospital because we're like you know close your knees that thing's staying in there but nope came out so i mean you have to do everything just like in the hospital you have to cut the umbilical cord dry the baby off you did all that shit right while you're bouncing down the road what you delivered a baby in a ambulance with a woman who literally pushed out her ninth child due to a speed bump that in itself could be like that, like the craziest story for the rest of your life. But that was just one instance of a lot of crazy stories. Right. About. And then, you know, what people don't realize is, or maybe they do, is that right after you finish that, 
you clean everything up, you get back in the ambulance, and you go on another one. You just gotta shake it off. It's just that's what one after another. That's what uh, that's what my my cousin Caesar was saying. He was like, he was like, look, when you show up to a scene, if it's bad, you got it. You got if it's bad or if it's you know not not so serious, but you gotta treat it like it's a job. You gotta you gotta you 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 can't you can't be so distracted and you can't let things settle too much in the moment because you know people need your help. They don't need your emotions. They need you to do your job. Exactly. And one of the first things, you know, you're taught is it's not my emergency, it's someone else's, which is like we don't run. We never run to like to get to people faster because if we start running and we twist our ankle or we fall down or we break a piece of equipment that we land on while we're running, you know, now we're no use to anyone else. So, exactly. You have to you have to keep it out of your own head. You know, your adrenaline can be going because you're excited you know having fun a lot of the time because that's what we like to do yeah um but yeah you can't uh you know it's just got to be one after the other and you don't you don't let it in too much nice dude that's that's insane so did, did her baby end up okay everything was okay yeah baby was healthy she did not appreciate my joke that it should be named nathan <laughs> but uh Oh my oh, yeah. God, Nathan! Happy, healthy baby. You were just like, "Hey, mom. look, hey, look! I helped you. I helped you out here." Okay? Right. And the least you can do is just, 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 just give him my name. Right. Just I'm give like, him my name. You know, because I delivered him in the ambulance. You have to name him Nathan, and his middle name can be Jesse, because that was my partner. <laughs> She's like, "No, <laughs> like, not entertained. Did not laugh. Just no." I mean, she was probably like. I just delivered my fucking baby in an ambulance. Yeah. Because of a speedboat. You know, it's not the ideal, pretty <laughs> scenario that people would like to imagine oh having. Oh my God. Having their kid in. So, what did you do after that shift was over? You just came home, like, well, did some homework and went to bed. All right. That's that's insane, bro. So, uh, that's awesome, though. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I go to work, usually the shortest shifts we do are 12 hours. What? So, so you're working for 12 hours? That Generally, yeah. Um, so our shifts could be 10, 12, 14, or 24 hours, depending on what they schedule you for. What's your longest shift? I've done, not during school, during the summer, but I've done 36 straight hours. What? So you're not going to be constantly... Um, scheduled? You're not going to be constantly working because there's going to be downtime in between runs. Like, there's not always another one to go on. A lot of the time there is, but by the time you get to 2 o'clock in the morning, usually you can get a couple hours of sleep in before, you know, she's so sleeping ambulance? Right. So, the company that I work for now, um, we don't have stations like the fire department, and we also don't have the manpower like they do. Okay. Um, so, we. Um, m- 90% of the calls we go on are just you and your partner. Wow. Um, so one day last summer when it was like 110 degrees, um, my partner, his, well, my regular partner, his name is Greg. Um, he and I went to 79th and Morgan for an older gentleman that had previously had a stroke that was on a ventilator at his house. So he needed the ventilator to the breathing machine to stay alive. Um, but he was breathing like 45 times a minute over the vent so he wasn't getting any oxygen so he lives on the second floor of his house he obviously can't walk he's got like half the oxygen in his blood that he needs um so with just the two of us we had to get him onto our chair that has two wheels it's kind of like a wheelchair but it's meant for carrying people up and down stairs um and we got him on there 
and I put the vent the ventilator over my shoulder has a strap, but it weighs about thirty pounds. Oh my so god. So put that on my back. We balanced the oxygen tank on the bottom of the chair and then carried him down the stairs. And after we did two stairs we'd have to stop so that we could squeeze the bag to give him another breath to get him all the way downstairs. While it's 110 degrees. Exactly. And then we got him in the ambulance and we got our IV started and we got, we ended up um, sedating him. So we'd stop fighting the ventilator and all those things. And then we drove to Northwestern, which is, I want to say like a 12 mile ride. Cause that's where his family wanted him to go. So by the time we got to Northwestern, we're both just, we left a trail of sweat from the ambulance to the room. That we Wait, the ambulance doesn't have AC? No, the ambulance had AC. It was so hot that the AC just wasn't doing it. Oh my and god! I, yeah, how do you not like pass out there, bro? I mean, in those moments, you're just you're running on adrenaline, like yeah, like you said, and then it ends. And um, I mean, Greg's a smoker. I'm not, um, so he went out and he had a cigarette, and I got like some water and just started um, restocking supplies and cleaning, and you know, wow. you, you move on. So you seem like you really enjoy it. I do. I like it a lot. Damn, man. So that's awesome because you're working hella hours. So how often would you say your hours are a week? So I usually work, uh, I would say two or three 12-hour shifts a week. Um, so 24, 36, but it just depends on the week. Do you know the days in advance? Yeah. So I, the company that I work for now, I get to schedule the days that I want. So like before each month, I look at my class schedules, my syllabuses, syllabi, um, and I say, oh, well, I have a heavier week this week, so I'm going to work less this week and then maybe the week after when I have not as much going on in class I'll work more got it so between one and three days a week I would say um but yeah it's definitely not like oh I got out of class at two so I'm gonna go work from four to nine and then got it so when when I go to work it consumes most of the day so I have a couple questions now yeah so so we got I want to ask you one last question about an incident that happened on your job Mm -hmm. um but uh, before I get there, how has it been to be a student? I mean, you, you kind of just touched on it, a student with this job. And obviously, it requires a lot of work, a lot of attention, almost like a lot of heart. you you got to really want to do it uh, in order to do the right job. So how do you balance? Obviously, you want to be a good student, and you are a good student. So how do you balance that? Um, sometimes you just don't sleep that much. I that's mean, that's so true. And I mean, that's true of any student. I yeah. mean, I, they're hundred thousands of kids at Loyola that will stay up, you know, to finish yeah. stuff. Um, but really it just comes, I mean, for me down to time management and preparing and knowing that I have to do it and not wait until the end because the, I don't know, like the Murphy's law of what we do is, is if you have plans for after work, whether that's to go see your friends or to do homework or something, you're going to get stuck on like the last run of the day and it's going to take hours longer than it was supposed to. And you're not going to get where you were supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just Damn. making sure that things are done um, as soon as you can. So I think that's interesting because I always tell people like, I don't, I think doing something isn't the hard part. I think it's the will, the time management, the preparation, the, you know, uh, work ethic, you know, stuff like that. Like, it's so weird how college is easier in a sense than high school because high school is like, you have an eight-hour day no matter what. Exactly. College, you know, you can have one class one day, three classes another day, one, you know what I mean? So exactly. You, so you can literally, like, manage your time for you. Like me, I know that I have a job. I have an internship, marketing internship. I can't work when – I can't have school Wednesdays or Fridays. 
for basically the rest of college. Okay. Um, and that's really weird. That's really hard to figure out. Um, and I'm also involved with like church and stuff. So like Tuesday nights, I need to make sure are also off. So it's just like, you have to figure this stuff out. And, and it really kind of just makes you, when, when I got my job and when the first time I worked and had a job at the same time, uh, the first time I worked and at school at the same time, which was, which was last semester, um, I had my best grades yet at Loyola. Yeah. I, uh, well, I don't know if you felt this way, but when I moved off campus too, I kind of felt less like I was working while I was going to school. And sometimes Definitely I feel like I go to school while I work. Yeah. Just, you know, living off campus and now I feel like an adult functioning in society while I go to school instead of, you know, obviously school is still a huge, it's the most important and the biggest thing that I do right now. Yeah. Um, in the grand scheme of things, but it is in that sense. It's easier that you can balance it with your life. People definitely like always say like the, the cliche of like, once you're junior, once you're a junior, it's like, it's like different. It's like, you know, upperclassmen. And I was just like, like, man, I'm thinking about freshman year. What was that year? Like, I really didn't do much. I really just hung out with people, had a great time, did a lot of dumb things. I'm still doing dumb things, still having fun. But like, that's literally all I thought about doing. It wasn't like, like school was so easy. Uh, everything was pretty much piece of cake and you're just trying to figure out the ropes while meeting tons of people, while learning tons of new things, doing tons of new things. But then by the time you're a junior dude, like you're, you're not in the dorms anymore. You have a job. Most likely you're trying to get internships. You're, uh, you're really taking classes at this point that you enjoy because you, it's your major. If you enjoy your major, right. Uh, and you feel like your brain is more, at least for me, my brain is more active, like so much more than I thought it would be, if that makes sense. Yeah. I need to, like, I, I'm focused on things constantly throughout the day. Like, so I think that's actually great. But uh, I like I like how you answered that time management. Great. One last thing, and then we're going to call it a wrap. Take us through Mercy Hospital. So, like, I just want to know... What that was like, if for those of you that don't know, Nathan was at the hospital that uh, had an active shooter, Mercy Hospital, right? That's correct. Uh, he happened to be there. I think you said you were dropping something off. Uh, I was using the bathroom. Just for a second. Right. Um, so that day, we had dropped a patient off at St. Joseph Hospital, which is um, roughly Fullerton Lakeshore Drive. You can see it from the road. Um and we were going back to, because we don't have stations, right. uh, like we mentioned. So we, uh, it's called like posting or holding around different areas so that they have coverage for those areas when calls come in. So they had said, you know, go hold Mercy, which would be like Mercy Hospital, which means that if you were to get a, a call out of Mercy Hospital, that you would be able to be at that patient's bedside in 10 minutes or less. Okay. Because one of the things that we do is like, uh, well, this will be relevant here in a minute but we take um like if, if you were to get shot yes and our friend jack uh dumped you off in front of mercy hospital in his car because it was the closest hospital okay mercy's not a trauma center so they don't take care of gunshot wounds wow so they would start to take care of you and then they would call us and say Chantry. you need to come and take him to the trauma center got it um so we do things like that. So that's the idea of being around a hospital um, because we have contracts with big hospitals like that. Got it. And little ones, I mean, all over the place. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was like, oh, I, 
I kind of need to use the bathroom here at uh, St. Joe's. But, you know, I have my bathroom that I like at Mercy because okay. we spend a lot of time there. So Mercy's so, your hospital? Yeah. Um, we spend a lot of time there. We take a lot of patients in and out of there. Um, you know, we're close with the staff. Um, you know, we're there a lot. Yeah. Um, and so I was in the bathroom off of um, the way Mercy's first floor is set up is kind of a U-shaped hallway around the emergency room. Okay. Um, so one side is like where ambulance crews go in and out and there's a security office and the other side has the patient waiting room and radiology and some other things. Okay. So the bathroom that I like is off this hallway by radiology. Um, and while I was in the bathroom, um, you hear gunshots in the hallway. No way, um, bro. So not a sound that I'm totally unfamiliar with. Um, well, I mean, I have experience with firearms. Um, and sometimes when you're riding around on the south and west sides, you do hear gunshots occasionally. Um, a little bit of a separate point, though, is since I've worked this job, I'm a lot less afraid of a lot of Chicago than... I was when I came as a freshman. There, 100%. There are absolutely neighborhoods on the south and west sides that I would go and walk around with my headphones in looking at my phone and not worry. Yeah. Um, places where a lot of people would probably be afraid to go. Um, so, but yeah, and I mean, in that moment, I, I kind of hid in the bathroom, you know, run, hide, fight, just like they tell you. Um, and, you know, then when I could hear... Were you freaking out? Like, I, I like what yeah, were you... What, yeah. what was going I through mean, your mind? Like, panic really like it, that that's not a moment that's real adrenaline that's man. not that a is... moment of like i'm in control of this situation or like that became my emergency because i'm like how like what's going on dude how so do i preserve I'm myself? Ma- imagine if you didn't have to go pee at that moment right that's exactly. crazy or if i had driven like if i had not made two lights on the way there never would have like we would have made it um because like we pulled up and i went right in um wow. so then when I could hear cops instead of, you know, like you could hear their radios and all that. So I poked my head out of the bathroom um, and their, one of their officers had been shot maybe 25 feet down the hallway from uh, the bathroom that I was in. Um, and so there were nurses and doctors that had come out of the emergency room because we're right there and they had started treating him. And, and I jumped in there and, um, you know, we started taking care of him and we got him packaged up the best we could, but he was shot. Um, through the neck, uh, just about. So he, he didn't make it. No. So it was a big effort. He was transported to the University of Chicago to the trauma center there. Um, I think yeah, University of Chicago because uh, Northwestern and the University of Chicago would be the two trauma centers closest to that incident, um, where four people were shot and all four people died. Um, so the police officer, the shooter, a pharmacy tech, and the shooter's. Ex fiance, who was a doctor at Mercy, who he was there. That was his target. He was having an argument with her. I guess the, the way the news stories read is that she had an engagement ring that she hadn't given back, um, and he had a legal concealed handgun. So, I, in my opinion, he just got angry and um, not just got angry. There's no excuse for it, but that's oh what God. he decided to do in that. So he moment. killed four people, uh, three, and then the police shot him. Got it. Um, so, but yeah, I ridiculous man but you know then when when i came back out of the bathroom it kind of overrides again so now we're helping somebody else so. so so since you were on the job did you have to continue working after that that was well it was in the evening but then no by the time like all that was done and like statements had been given and all the things like that i mean there were there were all the ambulances that were just parked in the bay um 
because it started outside where he and his ex-fiance were arguing. Oh, he shot her outside? Yeah. So she was outside, and then he went into the hospital and kept going. Um, wow. And so... At that point, he was just like, he knew he was going to die. Exactly. Um, so, or he was going to get arrested, and some people just don't want that. Right. I mean, I, I have no idea what was going through yeah. his head. Wow. Um, but the whole place basically became a crime scene. Um, my ambulance service posted rigs there all night because everybody that walked up that wanted to go to the emergency room just got put in an ambulance and taken to another hospital um, because there were, I mean, nurses upstairs on the inpatient floors were still hiding in supply rooms and patients were calling 911 saying, like, I need someone to help me with this baby I just delivered because everybody was just in an absolute panic. Um, Can you, oh, my it, God. It came out on the radio. It was something like... Uh, it was, well, it was for the fire department. It was a fire department ambulance, but it was like, hey, uh, 57, you guys just drove through a crime scene. Because, you know, before everybody knew what had happened yet, they were just bringing their patient into the hospital and drove straight through and, um, you know, ran over some evidence. Jeez. So, I mean, it, it unfolded in such a short period of time. And then there were probably, I don't know, by the time I looked at my phone again, you know, I probably had 30 to... 50 messages i texted you yeah you texted me um i mean my parents were seeing on the news other people from work what were your parents reaction um i think they were hesitant for a little while to you know have me going back to work um but i mean we're we're taken care of so well every day by the cpd and hospital security and you know anybody else that's there um you know we're not we don't mess around with our own safety. Did I you mean. get a, a much more, a much appreciation for like doctors, nurses, even cops, like just seeing them in action almost? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had the police show up on scenes with me before and all that. And, you know, if you need something from them, they'll give it to you. Absolutely. I mean, they, they're very protective of us. Um, and you, you couldn't ask for more in that sense. I mean, they don't tolerate in any any situation patients or their family members or anybody harassing us like that if they're there um you know you're gonna be taken care of but they'll put themselves on runs too like if they see that ambulances are going for drug overdoses or fights or things like that even if they're not asked for it they'll just sometimes be like four cops that show you never up. know yeah and they might just stand there with their hands in their pockets for five minutes realize everything's fine and leave but their presence is always appreciated yeah i was riding with um my buddy Sean on a fire department ambulance and we had a patient who uh, I don't know if you've ever seen someone on PCP yeah I've never but like I've heard of it but they don't feel pain really so they're they don't feel tasers they don't feel broken bones isn't that like isn't that that shit I, I think it was meth but uh, the the Soviets or um, I think it was the Japanese maybe like Pearl Harbor and stuff they would they would give their their army men methamphetamine yeah so that way i think it's kind of like the same where yeah. like you're just so crazed out of your mind that you don't even focus on pain it's like an adrenaline high yeah. for like it's, hours it's the craziest thing i've ever seen i've seen a guy that was restrained to a hospital bed that was high on pcp that stood up with a hospital bed on his back what i mean he was a big dude he probably weighed 300 pounds he was tall he was big but he stood up with a hospital bed on his back um but I asked back to the cops, um, 
we went for a, a battery victim. So it was a domestic violence situation. And we pull up to the house um, out at like Homan and Lake. So way on the west side. Damn. Um, and the first thing that happens is a guy opens the window and he goes, she's not here. She already went to the hospital. And we, we just opened the door and gotten out. And he's already saying, I didn't do it. She's not here. Go away. So the cops rolled up and they jumped the fence and they kicked the door down and they went straight in and took him out of there and found his girlfriend that he beat up. And, you know, it, it was just handled in a minute. maybe. Dang. And they were there 30 seconds after us and just handled it. And, you know, wow. I mean, I think cops get a lot of shit and they're bad apples. Just like I work with people that, you know, there's an occasional partner that doesn't care about the patient you're taking care yeah. of. Um, you know, so. But. I feel like most of the time, man, you got, you got, like, they could do any job in the world. But they, like, someone needs to, we, we, someone needs to be a cop. Someone, like, we need people that want to be cops. Right. So, so you shouldn't hate on the profession. Exactly. You should, like, point out, obviously, that there's there's bad cops out there. Right. But, man, like, think of the situations that have developed. Like, look. If there's an active shooter, the only way that shooter doesn't kill more people is because of cops. Exactly. If there's if there's a gun gun violence in Chicago, like the only way that's going to settle down at some point is cops, is people that their job is to protect you. So I never get this this thing of hey, let's disrespect cops. Like I don't know, man. I mean, that's a totally different conversation, but yeah, no. But at we least don't need to go down. That I mean, experiences right experiences give you that appreciation. But th- thank you, Nathan. Uh, that was a that was a great thing. I, I didn't know a lot of that uh, about your job and how school works for you. But thank you, Nathan. Shouts out for being on the All Sides podcast. Happy to be here. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Peace.